podcast time podcast time the detroiter motor city mitten state how is everybody doing today we're back um not a huge week again pretty expectedly right been saying it for a while now not a whole lot going on but we're back there's some shit we'll talk about there's a couple things marinating up here a little bit of red wings chatter a little bit of Austin Matthews in the winged wheel. A little bit of Steve Eiserman finally making the move that gets this team in gear and says, fuck the rebuild, dude. Let's win hockey games as many as we can, as fast as we can, as quick as we can before we all get hit by a fucking comet. Let's win. Austin Matthews, Detroit, maybe. I don't know. Toronto, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. They're not going to get it done. Try something else. He's used to the big market, the original six franchise history tradition. Detroit's got all of that and more. We win more than Toronto. We've been more relevant more recently by a fucking mile than Toronto. We've got the original six pedigree. We've got the massive market coast to coast, north, south. Everybody goes to away games when you're a Red Wings fan. He has the ties to Michigan, lived in Ann Arbor for like a year or two for the U.S. development team. It only makes sense. Look at it from the Red Wings perspective. What's the one thing Detroit's missing? What's the one thing? I mean – not the one thing. Obviously, the Red Wings are missing a lot of things. We haven't made the playoffs since 2015. Lots of things are missing. Multiple things are gone, just disappeared. They must have grown legs and walked out on their own. But one of those things that we are, in fact, missing, maybe the most important ingredient is not only, like, we know we need a goal scorer. We know we need someone who just fills the net 30, 40 a year would be fucking phenomenal. But more so than that, we don't even have, like, a top of the top of the top guy. Maybe Mo Sider becomes that. Maybe Dylan Larkin takes a stride here in the next year. I don't know. It kind of feels like Larkin point of game type guy. He's good two ways. He can score goals. He can find players. Like he'll be pretty good. He's good defensively. He's a good leader. He'll step up for guys. He's not afraid to mix it up a little bit. He's good. There's no, I mean, I've been saying it for years now. Dylan Larkin is very fucking good at hockey. I said it a million times. Whenever he gets injured, he misses a couple nights. It's like you watch the Red Wings when he plays and you watch the Red Wings when he doesn't play. It's a miracle. It's a miracle we're even allowed in the rink when he's not in the lineup, to be honest with you. Dylan Larkin's great, but he's not one of the top of the top. Like Austin Matthews is for sure a top 10 player, probably a top five player in the entire league. Right? McDavid, Dreisaitl, McKinnon, McCarr, I suppose, Matthews. Like, are those the top five guys? I guess we're not counting goalies there. But are those the top five skaters in the league? That feels fair. And at worst, at worst, he's a top 10 guy. Dylan Larkin, he's great. Very good player. Helps you win hockey games. I'm very happy we re-signed him. I'm very happy he's still in Detroit. I do think he's a guy you can win a Stanley Cup with if he's your first-line center. But that said, he's not the best of the best. He's not a top 10 guy. He's probably not a top 20 guy. I don't know. Maybe he's a top 30 guy, something like that. But we are we are missing that elite talent. We are missing that high-end superstar. Like, we're in a fucking jam. We got one guy who's better than everybody on your team. We're missing that guy. Maybe Mo Sider becomes that eventually. Who knows? Lucas Raymond, we're in a little bit of an in-between stage with him, but maybe he becomes that someday. Maybe some of these Elmer Soderblom or some dude we're not even thinking about. Someone who doesn't have the hype. Someone who wasn't a first-round pick. 
Maybe they become that guy. Maybe it's another Sergey Fedorov, Nick Lidstrom type deal. Random dude sprouts up. One of the best in the franchise's history. Hopefully. I hope we've got like five of those guys lined up. I mean, that's what made the Red Wings of the 90s, 2000s, and 2010s so great is you're getting Hendrik Zetterberg, Pavel Datsuk, Fedorov, all these guys after the first, second, third round, and they become Hall of Famers. So ideally, ideally, we've got a couple of those guys in the system and we just don't know it yet. But that's a tough bet to make, I would say. That's a real tough gamble to make. Hey, um, we're not going to go get Austin Matthews. Hear me out. Because this dude we took three years ago, 122nd overall, we think he's going to be generational. That's a tough bet to make. Austin Matthews, you know that that guy's a fucking stud. And say what you want about Toronto and coming up short. And they got a great regular season game, but it doesn't transfer to the playoffs. Yeah, they play a little soft. Whatever you want to say. Unequivocally, Austin Matthews, one of the best players in the league. Unequivocally, one of, if not, the best goal scorer outside of maybe McDavid Dreisaitl in the entire league unequivocally nothing you can say will deny that will make any team in the national hockey league instantly way better. Also a fact, like all of those things are true. You know what he is. Yes. He's going to make a fucking dick ton of money. Yes. If you're going to trade him, trade for him before he becomes a UFA next summer, it's going to cost a pretty penny, but you know exactly what he is. You know, he's the top of the top. Some of the guys that we're counting on, forget the afterthoughts. Like, forget the deeper prospects in the Red Wings prospect pool. Some of these guys at the top of the list that we're more so counting at, where it's not even, hopefully this guy, be, it's, we fucking, this guy better become something. The Lucas Raymonds of the world, we don't really know what he is. Red Wings fans, we don't totally know what Lucas Raymond is. Jonathan Berggren, yep, he was pretty solid this year. Had a nice rookie showing. Wasn't playing on the first or second line, but he produced a little bit, scored some goals. You watch those games. He made a couple nice plays. He looked pretty good for a guy in his first stint in the NHL. But again, it's his first year. He didn't light it up or anything. We don't know exactly what he is. Simon Edvinson, he came up. He played a few games. He looked pretty good. He looks physical. He can skate for a guy who's seven fucking ten or whatever he is. He didn't necessarily light it up. It's not like we went on this fucking hot streak as soon as Simon Edmondson joined the lineup. We don't really know what he is either. You look, Marco Casper, he played two games. What, he played two fucking games? What was it, a game or two? And then he broke his knee or the doctors found out that he had broken his knee and were like, what the fuck is your problem, Marco? We're out of the playoffs, dude. You're you're the first round pick last year. You're playing on a dead knee? What the fuck is your deal, Marco? They got him out of there. We don't know. We don't have a clue what he is. He's another guy. We're kind of not hoping, counting on him to be at least something. Maybe not a generational, not a point of game guy, but we're counting on Marco Casper five years from now to be contributing 82 times a year for the Detroit Red Wings and hopefully contributing enough in which, you know, that kind of takes us somewhere at least to the playoffs. Hopefully at that point is winning a series or two. We don't know what we have with pretty much anybody not named Dylan Larkin. Or Moritz Sider. And even Mo Sider. I hate to say this. I hate to say this. But Red Wings fans, is it fair to say Mo took maybe a little bit of a step back? Or maybe not a step back, but didn't really take that much of a step forward this year? And you can say whatever you want. He was paired with Sherratt, and that guy stinks. The defense stinks. The goaltending was bad. Like, fine. Well, I get it. I watched the Red Wings, I don't know, probably 50 times this year. I get it. They weren't a good team. 
I understand. I know Mo Sider isn't responsible for every single goal he's on the ice for, but I think it is fair to say if you're an unbot like Red Wings colored glasses aside, was Mo Sider like, did he really take that step that we expected him to? I know Lucas Raymond didn't. I know for a fact Lucas Raymond didn't get to the next level we thought he would. Mo Sider, I don't think he did either. Maybe you could say, all right, he was pretty much the same guy this year as he was the previous year, 42 points in 82 games. As a rookie, he had 50 points in 82 games. He was a minus 11 this year, minus nine as a rookie. The minus, the plus minus, pretty similar. Eight fewer points, though, as a sophomore. And again, say what you want about the team. The team was better. This year's team finished with more points than last year's. The team was better, so you can't, no matter what you want to say, oh, you had to play with this guy, or the goaltending was this Whatever you want to say, the team objectively, factually was better. And Mo Sider, eh. Now, I'm not saying get rid of Sider. I'm not saying he's a lost cause. I'm not saying he won't be great. I still think, I mean, what is he, 22, 21 years old? He was 21 this year. That's fucking crazy. He's got plenty of time to become a Hall of Famer. He's got plenty of time to become the Victor Hedman of Steve Eiserman's Detroit Red Wing rebuild. But the point I'm trying to make is even a guy like that, where after last year, 50 points in 82 games as a rookie defenseman, he's murdering people, reverse checking people, minus nine on a dog water team, running the power play from the point. All of these things Mo did last year. And we were kind of looking around Red Wings fans. It was like, Andy won the call there. We're like, this guy's fucking going to be incredible. Like, this guy's going to be a lock. One of the best defensemen in the league, two, three, four years from now. The sooner the better. A lock. Then this year comes around, he's similar, point numbers aren't as good, plus minus, not as good. And it's like, okay, we're not crucifying him. We're not saying he lost it, but I'm looking at the hockey reference right now. The numbers are the numbers. He didn't do what we thought he would do, right? You look at Lucas Raymond as a rookie, 82 games played, 57 points for Lucas Raymond. That's pretty fucking good. It makes Mo Sider look even better. 50 points in 82 as a defenseman. Raymond, 57 and 82 as a left winger, playing a lot with Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin as rookie year. And then he comes into this year, 74 games played, 45 points. Fewer games played, 12 fewer points. The plus minus, he was 15 better this past year. But still, Lucas Raymond, I don't know if he got worse. I don't know if you can unequivocally say that. But I think it's fair to say he didn't get a whole lot better either. Like both of those guys, after their rookie years, we kind of looked at him and went, okay. Well, not only do we have one bona fide player here, we got two guys who are not just going to be good. We got two guys who seem like they're going to be great. Mo Sider's 20 his rookie year, 21 this past year. I think Lucas Raymond was 19 his rookie year and then 20 this past year. We got a guy, a couple guys who can't even buy beer legally and they look pretty fucking good we were all confident we've got something like we've got big time players now maybe neither of them will become victor hedman or austin matthews respectfully but i think we both we both looked at him and went all right we've got like a dylan larkin on the blue line and another dylan larkin at left wing like we had two maybe not elite but two very good players both at defense and on the wing and then this year happens they're pretty stagnant. Don't get a whole lot better. Nothing really jumps off the charts. Lucas Raymond doesn't net 30. Um, Sider doesn't do anything more, right? Pretty similar. And again, the team around them is better. 
the team the team finished better this past year than they did the previous year. The team you watch the games, forget the standings, you watch the games. The team was more competitive this year than it was last year. And it's like, all right, who knows? Who knows? Year three, maybe it's a sophomore slump. Maybe teams adjusted to these two guys. Maybe they got a little too much pressure put on them. Whatever the case is, maybe in year three, Mo Sider goes crazy. He's got 60 points in 82. He's a plus 10. He's unbelievable. He's laying people out. He's running the power play, so on and so forth. Maybe Lucas Raymond finds his stride. He finishes everything. He's got 30 goals, 35 assists, 65 point player. He's tearing it up. Our first line can't be stopped. The power play is disgusting. The Red Wings are even better. Maybe year three for these guys, that's when they take the step. I certainly hope it is. But as it stands right now, I'm talking. It's May 23rd, 2023. We're talking about the idea of Austin Matthews in Detroit. We're talking about Lucas Raymond, Mo Sider, easily our two most prized possessions as far as prospects go, despite them being on the big club the last two years. Like we think, we think we've got something in both of those guys. And we still don't really know. We're still like we got pretty good players, no doubt. 45 points in 74 games for Lucas Raymond. Like that'll help NHL teams win. 42 points and 82 for the defenseman Mo Sider. That'll help teams win. Like it's, I'm not saying these guys were no good. I'm not saying these guys didn't do much this year. These guys are still solid players. But a year ago, like these two crown crown jewels, we thought we had like bona fide. I think studs is fair to say. Um, and I'm not saying that that isn't the case. What I am saying though is I I don't know if we know exactly. I don't know if Steve knows. I don't know if we know. Um, I wouldn't give up Cider in any sort of deal unless it's straight up for Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or a guy like Matthews or whoever. Um, but the point is, those two, those guys are the top of the top, and then we've got Edvinson, and then we got Berggren, and then we've got a Sebastian Kosa, and then we've got a William Wallander, and then we've got an Elmer Soderblom. And that, did I say Berggren? Like, and then we've got all these other guys who even still we kind of sit here and go, I think they'll be all right. I think those guys will be okay. I think they're going to help us win. I don't know if we look at Jonathan Bergeron and say this dude's going to be a stud, but I think based on this previous on this rookie year, we look at him and go, he's going to help us win hockey games pretty soon. He's going to be a good NHL player pretty soon. Rookie year, 67 games played, 28 points, minus 14 for Bergeron. Not exactly lighting it up, but not terrible. And again, like I said, you watch the games, he makes shit happen. He's pretty nifty with the puck. He's a good playmaker. He knows where people are. He knows how to move the puck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I say all of that to say, if you can get Austin Matthews, you get Austin Matthews. If they want Simon Edmondson and they want Jonathan Bergeron and they want three first round picks, you fucking send it to them with an edible arrangement. You do it now. You hit the button this instant. You send that trade. If they want Lucas Raymond and three first-round picks, you do it this instant. You do it right now. If they want pretty much any assortment of prospects and picks that amount to the value of four or five first-round picks and there's nobody named Dylan Larkin or Mo Sider involved in the trade, you do it now for Austin Matthews. We have very few, maybe two guys, who we know, who we know are top, very good fucking hockey players. Moritz Sider, Dylan Larkin, and we're still Mo. It's like, we think so, but we're not totally sure. 
based on this last year. Lucas Raymond, we think so. We're not totally sure. You know Austin Matthews is elite, dude. Not good. Not great. Elite. One of the best five players probably in the entire NHL. Certainly top ten. Elite. We know he's the exact type of guy we're missing. Not only extremely high end, but what makes him extremely high end. Fills it up, dude. 40 goals this year, 85 points in 74. 60 goals the year before, 41 before that, 47 before. The guy scores. The guy scores goals. Our The thing Detroit has missed since Pavel Datsuk, since Henrik Zetterberg, since Johan Franzen. The thing we've missed the last fucking decade is a guy who puts the puck in the net at an absurd rate. That's what Austin Matthews does. Now, would it translate one for one to Detroit? I don't know because... Granted, I like Lucas Raymond. Granted, if we got to keep all these guys, I like Dylan Larkin. I like Mo Sider. I like it's not Mitch Marner. It's not William Nylander. It's not John Tavares. The level around him of player would probably drop just a little bit, but you still got to go. You still got to do it because at some point, dude, at some point, even if we just ignore Austin Matthews, even if Steve can't stand the way Toronto plays in the playoff, even if Steve hates, yeah, he scores goals, yeah, he does it great in the regular season and then the playoffs come and they don't show up and it doesn't matter. Even if Steve hates that, at some point, Steve Eiserman is going to need to go get a superstar. At some point, he's going to need to make a splash move, whether it's free agency, whether it's making a trade, whatever it is, at some point, it's going to be need to. It's going to need to be done. You didn't get Connor Bedard this past year. If this thing, it's similar to the fucking Pistons, dude. It's similar to the Lions. I think it's similar to what's happening with the Tigers now. If this thing hopefully starts to turn the way that it should, some of these young guys that we just mentioned actually do become decent hockey players, like we think they will. We're not going to be taking, or we're not going to have a chance to take the next generational prospect. We're not going to get the next Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard or Austin Matthews or Nathan McKinnon. We're not going to be picking one one for a while, assuming things go according to plan. You're going to know you're going to need to go make something happen with the resources you already have. We've been hoarding picks for years. We've been stockpiling prospects for years. We've got plenty. Odds are between all the Edmondson, Berggren, fucking Soderblom, Wallander, Johansson, all these dudes in Sweden, Grand Rapids that played in Detroit this year. Odds are not all these people are going to become stud fucking top two line hockey players. Odds are. Odds are none of them are going to become Austin Matthews. Odds are. At some point, you got to make lemons out of lemonade, dude. At some point, if you've got eight guys in the top 100 prospects, maybe you can part ways with two or three of them to go get an Austin Matthews. At some point, you need to convert prospect into like elite value today not into more picks because that's what we've done a lot of chronic see ya more picks which is fine which is fine it made sense to sell we weren't going anywhere we definitely weren't winning anything fine sell them take a pick let's move on he's been doing that the last three four years at the deadline at the draft you name it we're taking picks you're getting the guy those picks if you can if you can weaponize picks and turn it into a real person Turn it into a guy who has stats, who has numbers, who has history. A guy like Austin Matthews. You just have to. You just have to. If Toronto, no, I don't, like the price would be fucking bananas, dude. It'd be sickening. Whatever Toronto would ask would be gross. Legit, like it would, I'd probably throw up. 
it'd be gross. But this is kind of assuming we're in a world where Austin Matthews is maybe looking around. He's been in Toronto for what, like six years now? Seven years? They haven't quite gotten it done. They've won one series in the seven years he's been there. He's been with Marner. He's been with Nylander. He's been with Tavares. He's played with a couple that Morgan Riley's been around a while. He's done the thing with a lot of these guys. Seven years, big fucking, big, uh, big market, the biggest with the Leafs. Just hasn't quite worked out. Seven years, gave it an honest effort. Maybe he's looking around like maybe it's time to move on. New city, new organization, play with a couple new faces. Who knows? I think this is all contingent upon that. If Austin Matthews wants to stay in Toronto, wants to be a Leaf forever, wants to be in the big market with the glory, which I wouldn't blame him. It would. I. I'm not. I'm not basing anything. Like I have no information that Austin Matthews will want to leave Toronto. To be honest, I, I'd be surprised if he did, which sucks. But this is all hypothetical. Maybe. Maybe Toronto, they're looking to blow it up a little bit. Maybe Matthews, Dubas is out. They had their run. He, Tavares, Marner, all these guys are going to be free agents in the next year anyway. Maybe he's looking to try something new, whatever the case is. Okay? This is assuming Matthews is fine with leaving Toronto. This is assuming that they lose a little bit of leverage knowing that Matthews is going to sign somewhere else in the offseason. If that is the case... Steve, you make a move, buddy. And you could say, I hear the argument. Why would you do that? He's going to be a UFA anyway. Let him hit the let the, let him hit free agency in the summer and then go after him then. Yeah, but at that point, you're competing with all these other teams. There's other factors at play. Guys, he's friends with cities he wants to live in. Who can offer him more money? And the Red Wings could offer him all the money in the world. Detroit's a great hockey town. I'm sure he's friends with Dylan Larkin and some of the guys on the team in some capacity. But the Red Wings are the most equipped to make a trade for him. The Red Wings, when it comes to firepower in terms of picks and prospects, nobody can match him. The Red Wings, in terms of cap space, can pay him like nobody else. The Red Wings, if he was there, we we should be the first in line. Like whoever takes over for Dubas in Toronto in the next few weeks, months, whatever it is, Steve Eiserman, the second that dude gets hired, Steve Eiserman should make a phone call and say, hey, pal, Congrats. Welcome to the NHL. Um, I don't give a fuck what's going on with you or with Austin Matthews, but if anybody, and I mean anybody, your mother makes a phone call regarding Austin Matthews, you call me, you tell me what they offered, and I'll give you a counter before they say yes. You don't say yes to anybody about anything related to Austin Matthews. You don't even tell them about what Austin's having for dinner that night without calling old Steve Eiserman. That's that's the move that needs to be made because we're getting to that point, dude. We're getting to that fucking point where it's – you got to put the chips in the center of the table. And I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. We were talking about the Matthews hypothetical. What would you give up for him? And he made a fair point, which is like kind of what I've said. Like we don't even know if we have a team, Detroit. We don't, we don't know if we even have anything, really. Like we think we have something. We know we've got some pretty promising prospects. We don't know if they'll transfer to the NHL. We think we got something solid in Raymond and Sider. They both kind of plateaued this year, so who knows Like, if that's the same level of what we have. That was a confusing fucking sentence. Who knows if they're going to live up to the level we thought they would be a year ago. 
Like we think Bergeron will be promising. We think Soderblom has a place in the league. We think Coso looks pretty good with Toledo. Like we think we've got pieces. We don't know shit. We don't actually know shit. So I understand the thought of like, you know, if you, if you, if it's Raymond and like three firsts or Raymond and four firsts for Matthews, and then he gets here and it's some of these other guys aren't it. And you don't have a full team around him. You just hemorrhage the future to be a seven seed and losing the first round with a guy making $12 million a year. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. That would be, that would be no fucking good. But on the flip side, I've said it a billion times. One, winning, better than losing. Winning is better than losing. And two, you need to put your nuts on the table at some point. Like, we're not going to rebuild forever. We can't keep selling at the deadline for more third-round picks forever. Is the game plan to just sit around and hope that a guy like Jonathan Berggren or William Wallinder or, or Elmer Soderblom turns in to a Kale McCarr or turns in to a Kucherov? Like, is that the hope that we get our Braden point that one of these second, third, fourth round guys just becomes one of the premier players in the NHL? Is that the game plan? Cause I don't know if I feel great about that either. I don't know if I, I know what Austin Matthews is. I got no fucking clue what any of those other guys will be. And if I'm playing the percentages, if I'm playing the odds, and looking at history. They're sure as fuck not going to be Braden point Kucherov or Austin Matthews. You know what I mean? Like it's history would suggest they won't be history would suggest Marco Casper, the guy we took like eighth overall or whatever it was, won't be any of those guys. So it's tough for me to sit here and say, you know what? Sit tight. Let Austin Matthews go to Arizona or go to Chicago or go wherever the hell. And let's bank on one of these second round guys turning into a point of game player. I don't know if I love that strategy either. I don't know if I love that strategy. And as we said off the top, the thing we're missing, it's not like we're missing a third and a fourth line. It's not like we're missing a second D pairing. We're missing a fucking bona fide stud who can fill up the net. That's what we're missing. And we've got the firepower. Like it'd make me sad, but Lucas Raymond and three first. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Dude, Lucas Raymond. If they said Lucas Raymond and four firsts, I'd have a bowl of cereal over it. I'd maybe even heat up the leftover spaghetti too. To be honest, Lucas and four first. Yeah, that's steep. Yeah, that's steep. I'd I'd eat a couple meals over it. I'd sleep on it. I'd talk to my children about it. See what they say. I'd go find that Corgi that was picking the Warriors Lakers series and see what that thing thinks. I'd, I'd do some research. I'd think about it. If they said, well, or if they said Edvinson and Bergeron and three first. Yep. I'm doing that today. Today, if they said those two guys and Willinder and two firsts, yep, I'm doing that today. Like if they want a mix and match of prospects and picks, yep, dude, I'm doing it now. I'm fucking driving to Toronto and I'm bringing Edvinson, I'm bringing the prospects and I'll bring the picks with me. They'll be in the trunk. I'm going to hand deliver them to Toronto. I'll do it. Any of those opportunities, yes. You eliminate the risk of somebody else swooping in. You eliminate him spending a couple weekends in Chicago over the summer while he's deciding. You eliminate him flying down to Miami and seeing what it'd be like to live there and play with a Matthew Kachuk and a Barkov. Now, I don't know if they could afford him, but hypothetically, you eliminate him getting a chance to see any other city that may or may not be more fun <laughs> or have more to offer than Detroit. You eliminate the chance 
of him hanging out around any other teams that may or may not have more to offer than Dylan Larkin and more at Cider. I would assume he'd like to play in Detroit. Like I said, he's got some ties here, living in Ann Arbor for a couple of years. Original six, still a big fucking franchise, a big brand, much like Toronto. He's still going to be on ESPN however many nights. He's still going to be in the news once they start winning games. He's still going to get a lot of the things he likes. He's still going to get paid a fucking dick ton. He's still going to play in front of sold-out crowds. It makes sense, dude. It makes sense. We got all these picks. We think they're going to be great. We don't know shit. Austin Matthews, he is great. We know that for a fucking fact. We're going to have to make a splash move at some point. We just are. We just are. If Austin Matthews is on the table, if Austin Matthews is thinking about leaving Toronto, if the new GM's willing to talk shop, the least Steve Eiserman can do is probe. The least Stevie can do is maybe make an offer. Maybe lowball him, maybe feel him out, maybe take advantage of the new guy. Whatever the case is, the least he can do is make a couple phone calls. Austin Matthews, guys like that don't become available every day. We need something like it. We need something like it. We This thing's got to get over the hump at some point. Started to t- This past year was like, all right, we're starting to enter that window where I know we're still young. I know we're still waiting for a lot of these guys in Grand Rapids or in Sweden to kind of come along. But we're starting to get to the point, like this year even more than last, where it's like, let's fucking win at some point, Steve. Like we talk about how great of a GM he is, the fleecings, the drafting, all these picks. At some point, I don't care how many first-round picks you have. I care about the win column. Austin Matthews helps you with that more than a first-round pick in 2025. That's a fact. So we'll see. All right. Take a quick break. Um, talk yeah, the Michigan thing. They hired the Shen Beckler kid. I don't know. Maybe some MSU, maybe some Pistons. Quick break. We'll, we'll, we'll keep chatting. All righty. Um, I guess. It's nothing really Pistons related because um, it's the playoffs and the good teams are playing. So it's nothing really to talk about with the Pistons because, again, it is the playoffs. So the, you have to be good. For, it, for the playoffs, you have to be a good team. So there's not really anything to talk about with the Pistons. But my fucking dog, my Serbian brother-in-arms, Nikola Jokic just <clears throat> dismantled LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the, Lo- and the Jesus Christ, and the Los Angeles Lakers in four games. Uh, don't even know if Nikola broke a sweat despite being 400 pounds. Pretty incredible stuff. Potentially more incredible than winning the series in four. That guy, dude, I don't, I don't get it. I don't really get anything about it. Um, I do get it because he's Serbian. So right off the rip, it's like, all right, that pretty much, that I guess does cover it. That does cover and answer every question I'm about to ask. But a few things. One, I've seen him run and I've seen him jump. But what? You know what I mean? How does he ever get open? How does he ever get to the rim? How does he ever get a rebound? How does he ever block a shot? I don't. 
I've seen him run and I've seen him jump. Don't get that. Uh, those fadeaways where he just like kangaroo hops backwards and it goes, he shoots a fucking rainbow and it touches Magic's jersey in the rafter and goes down and in. How does that work? I don't, Steph Curry can't even do that shit. Don't understand. Also, he's again, like not in shape, right? Like he's not in shape, I don't think. Yet he plays 40 minutes running back and forth scoring, rebounding, getting to the hoop. Don't get that. But then it's like he's Serbian. So it all makes sense. But goddamn, dude, he's unbelievable. And the last thing, the 46th pick. The 46th pick. And he's the best player in the NBA. Again, for the third year. they De- The Denver Nuggets got a fucking big man from Serbia with the 46th pick. The 46th pick. Do you know how little their front office cared about him the day they chose him? Do you know how the fan base, you could be the biggest, most diehard Denver Nuggets guy. The day Nikola Jokic gets drafted, you go, oh, we got this dude from Serbia. Cool. I'm never going to think about him again. You close Twitter for the night, you go to sleep, and you're like, damn, that's cool. We got this guy in the first round. That's it. Good draft. That's it. Forget the second round. Serbian dude. Forget. You, You forgot you ever even read the word Serbia. You forgot you ever even saw the name Nikola Jokic. If you're the biggest, most hardcore Denver Nuggets fan on earth the night they drafted him. And this guy's the best player in the NBA for what should have been three years straight. Should have won the MVP again this year. Photo fatigue, spread it around. I get it. Otherwise, LeBron would have 20. I understand. Three years in a row, he's the best player. And he's a big man from Serbia. And there's that picture of him where it looks like all he ever ate. Were Chevops and Palachinka, Serbian foods, if you know, you know. What? That doesn't happen in the NBA. That's That doesn't happen in the NBA. That shit happens in hockey. That shit happens in baseball. That shit will happen in football. Like the late round undrafted guy makes a name for himself. That shit doesn't happen in the NBA. And it certainly doesn't happen to the level of Nikola Jokic. It'll happen like Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen comes along. Great player. Is he a top 10 guy in the league? Maybe. I don't know or care enough about the NBA to argue that. Draymond Green, Mr. Un- or what is it? Was it Mr. Forgettable or whatever the last pick in the draft? Good player. Has won rings with Golden State. I don't think he's been like a top 30 or 40 or 50 guy in the league the entire time he's been there. He sure as fuck hasn't been the best. Nikola Jokic, you get a guy, all right, I get it. If he's like a great sixth man. I get it if he's giving you 20 points a game. I get it like he's doing some good stuff, right? I get that those guys will come along. You got a dude with 46 from Serbia who looks like that and runs like that and jumps like that, and he's been the best player in the NBA for three years in a row. He puts up stat lines that you couldn't pull off in 2K on rookie mode. Think about that. There are Twitch streamers out there right now who today's fucking episode is Nikola Jokic game four against the Lakers challenge. That's what they're trying to do today. And it takes them like six hours of streaming to do it once. And it's on rookie. And he was the 46th pick. How the fuck does that work? And why the hell does that never happen to my teams? Why the hell is the... We got Cade first overall a couple years ago. The dude hasn't. Right? Right? I First overall, he was the guy. He's the franchise. 
He's going to change. He's the new face of the Pistons. Things are going to change now that we have a little old guy named Cade Cunningham here. The culture just switched up on the NBA. The Pistons are no walk in the park anymore. He put, what did he do, like 13 games this year, and then he was out for the year? Yeah, I know he averaged – I think he averaged like 21, six point or six rebounds and six assists. Pretty fucking good. I'll take that for a second-year guy, 20-year-old, whatever he is, who's playing on a bum shin. I will take that. There's no doubt. That ain't Nikola Jokic, though. That ain't Nikola Jokic, dude. 46th overall, and he's been the best player in the NBA the last three years. What's good, dude? What the fuck is good? We can't even get a guy in the second round who's like the eighth man. We can't even pull that off. You know what I mean? Like, we can't even get a guy who hits two threes a game and forces a turnover with a second-round pick. We can't even get that with half of our first-round picks, let alone a second-round pick. And Denver's just going out and getting one of the best big men of all time already. And what is he, 28 years old? One of the best big men of all time. He's 28. With the 46th pick, our generational first round, first overall pick from two years ago, just spent the entire near, year out with a shin splint. That's kind of a bummer. No, and I'm happy. Look, Jokic is my guy, Serb. Obviously, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it till the cows come home. He's my guy. I'm happy for Denver. I'm happy for him. He's fucking unreal to watch, dude. It seems fake. Again, I don't get it. He moves in slow motion and it fucking works. LeBron James is the biggest freak of nature I've ever seen in my life. And Nikola Jokic, he can't stop him. It's what It doesn't make any sense at all. It's fun to watch. He's an unreal passer. He unreal shot maker. Gets rebounds. He's a massive fucking humanity. It's great to watch. Um, but yeah, like where's, you know, the Pistons. Where's our 46th overall pick that turns into a Hall of Famer? Where's our first round pick that turns into an NBA starter? You know what I mean? Like, where's that guy? That's all I can think about. I'm watching these playoffs and I'm just sitting there going, dude, how? How the fuck does this even happen? Jamal Murray, dude. When did they take Jamal Murray? That guy's sweet. He came off an ACL or two ACLs. When did they take Jamal Murray, dude? That guy rules. We don't have a Jamal Murray. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Good for the Nuggets. Good for the people of Denver. It's been very fun to watch. Um, the Nuggets are fucking sweet. Nuggets heat is going to be an unreal final. I'm pulling for the Nugs. I want the Nugs to win. I want the Nugs to win the next, like, 10 Probably won't happen, but uh, I do want the night. I'm going to be in Belgrade, Serbia. You believe that shit? Friday, catching a flight. I'm going to Belgrade. I'm going to be in Europe for like 10 days. I'm going to be in Belgrade, Serbia while Jokic is playing in the NBA finals. You think that place is going to be a fucking madhouse? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's going to be bananas. Yeah, dude. I'm pulling for the Denver Nuggets. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have to make sure to not get hit by a fucking loose flare while I'm there. Yeah, I want the Denver Nuggets to win the NBA title. It's going to be an unbelievable experience. Yeah, I want Nikola Jokic to average a triple-double the rest of the way. Yes, I want nothing but the best for him. And yes, it does make me sad. Yes, it does make me wonder. Yes, I don't understand how the Pistons can't hit on one of these guys with a top-five pick, let alone... 
top 46, you know, but it's neither here nor there. Um, good for Denver. Yeah. Jamal Murray first over first round seventh pick. I guarantee you whoever the, the Pistons take with the fifth pick this year, five is more than, or excuse me, five is ahead of seven, right? Theoretically, you should get a better player at five than you do at seven. I guarantee whoever the Detroit Pistons get with five this year will not have the career Jamal Murray has had to this point. And they got him with seven. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That's just the way it fucking works. I guarantee it. Excuse me. Jokic was the 41st pick, not 46. So a little bit more value there. But yeah, good for the Nuggets. Good for Jokic. Serbs forever. Serb, fuck, what was the thing I said the other day? Serb, uh, Serb dynasty? Is that what I said? Serb domination? I said something. Djokovic, he'll be in the French Open final with Nadal stepping down. I mean, that's another lock. Fortunately, or unfortunately, I'll be back in America when he's playing in the uh, French Open final. So that's kind of a bummer, but he will be there. He will be there. Yeah, let's look at Cade's stats real fast, and then we'll move on. Cade played 12 games this past year. Shins point done. He averaged 20 points, averaged six assists, averaged six rebounds. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, that is good. That's that's better than pretty good. That's good. That's a, better than what Jamal Murray average this year. I think Jamal was like 24 assists and five rebounds or something like that. Maybe five assists, but it's a little bit better than what Jamal Murray averaged. So that is good. That is good. Um, we'll take it. Cade still hasn't played a full season. He's played 76 games in his NBA career. At some point though, like, you know, you can say he hasn't even played. He hasn't even come close to the ceiling, all that shit, which true. At some point though, you know, the best ability is availability yes at some point that becomes a fact also jamal murray's field goal percentage is 44.7 percent cade 41.6 jamal murray's three-point percentage is 37.3 cade 30.9 so maybe jamal is better certainly more efficient i don't know dude I don't know. I just watched these games and Denver is getting these guys. I don't know. We, whatever, dude. All right. One more thing I want to talk about. No state football today. Um, there's nothing to talk about again. Nothing productive, at least nothing fun. Lions, I don't think there's anything going on. OTA started, but I don't. That's boring, right? You guys practice. Great. Uh, I'm trying to – is there anything Lions? I don't think so. Just the fact that we're going to win the NFC North. Just the fact that – the Vegas over under being nine and a half is pretty insulting. <laughs> nine and a half, 11, dude. Try 11. Huh? Try 11 and six for the Detroit football lines this year. Try that one on for size. Put it in the bank, smoke it in your pipe. How's that? 11 and six. And then you can come back to me. 11 and six in your pipe and smoke it in the bank, Detroit Lions. Yeah, I don't think there's much going on with them. The Tigers are pretty good for Tiger standards. I think they're 21 and 24 right now. They might actually be playing right now, but the Tigers have been pretty good. It's tough. Like Torkelson, Torkelson and Green have been good in the month of May. That's encouraging. Those are really the only two guys in the lineup that I care even remotely about. Javi Baez has been better as of late. Andy Ibanez. But again, dude, my thing with the Tigers, and I guess it's just the thing with baseball, unless you're a baseball like absolute whore for the game, watch every game, just tuned in, can't get enough. It, we're 21 and 24. 
We're second in the worst division in baseball, also known as the AL Central. We're two and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins. This season, at this point, this is we may as well have the World Series already clinched at this point for the Detroit Tigers. Being two and a half games back at any point, at any point this season is a fucking win for the Detroit Tigers. Being three games under 500, dude, lift the trophy, brother. Throw the fucking parade down Woodward. Three games under 500, this Detroit Tigers team, that's a World Series. No Scooble, no Mize. I don't know. No Manning. I don't know if any of them are going to play ever again. I don't know if any of them are going to play this year. It'd be cool if they joined the fray and we won even more games. We got even better. It'd be cool if Torque and Green sustained this throughout the rest of the season. It'd be cool if some of these other guys, Nick Maytone, for instance, came along. Javi Baez maybe sustained a higher level of play. Maybe this Andy Ibanez was, Ibanez was here to stay. Matt Veerling, maybe. It'd be cool if some of these guys were the real deal and kind of picked it up. It'd be cool. It's tough, though, for me to do that. Like, what? what is the Tigers – Think if I'm on 97.1 and I got a gun to my head and someone's like, we got to do 30 minutes on the Tigers other than, Hey, it's kind of cool that they're better than we thought they'd be. And Torque and green have been good the last month. What is there to talk about? Like the pitching bullpen's been great. Alex Lang's the best reliever in baseball. Eduardo Rodriguez has been unfucking believable. Starting pitching has been pretty good. I think all things considered the lineup. Some days they're solid. Some days they can't score a run. That's pretty much how they've been all year. It's feast or famine, which is fair. You look at the names. I don't know how we've ever scored a run, but it's been, you know, all things considered, it's been kind of working. And it is cool that the expectations were the floor. The expectations were like win one game and seasons of success. It's cool that they're kind of hanging around. It's cool that they're two and a half back. What would be really cool, what's really going to get the blood pumping for me is when August rolls around, dude. When September comes around and we're still two and a half games back. Like, it's tough. It's like the recruiting we've seen with MSU. It's tough for me to get too fired up. Like, when I know, when I know who plays for the Detroit Tigers, I get it. The AL Central is brutal. And I know we the hardest part of our schedule, I believe, is over with. I believe the beginning of the year, like these first 50 games, was kind of the biggest gauntlet for the Tigers. I know. But I know, who the, like, these guys, I've seen the lineup. I know who the Detroit Tigers employ. It's fucking May still. It's tough for me to go, hey, let's get excited. Let's talk about the Tigers. Let's get fired up. Let's throw a parade. Uh, we got a lot of baseball left. Like we are still going to hit that point where these guys lose eight games in a row. Like we've still got some fucking valleys ahead of us. And we probably got some highs. We probably got an eight game win streak. We probably got an inexplicable run where we're beating good teams and scoring runs and keeping people off the board. That probably exists too. But with baseball, with the Tigers, they play 162. The lineup, I know what they should be. We all do. There's a reason the expectation was fucking trash coming into this year. Wake me up in August, dude. Wake me up when September ends, and then we'll talk. We're still two and a half games back from Minnesota for a division lead for a playoff berth in the month of August. Then we'll start to lock in. Then we'll start talking Tigers baseball. Then we'll start paying attention. But until then, like, it's May. It's cool that they're hanging around. It's cool that they're like, if you love the Tigers, it's cool that you can turn them on and they win almost half the time. It's cool that the young guys are playing well. 
It's cool that we've got a couple of good pitchers. Like there's some redeeming qualities to this team, which is nice. It's a good change of pace. And I guess credit to Scott Harris and credit to guys on the team. They deserve that at least. I will give them that. Um, and then the last thing today, dude, the Michigan hiring that Shemi Shembecker Shem, Shemi Shembeckler guy. Couple things. Um, first things first. Who the fuck names their kid Shemi Shembeckler? Shemi is short for Shembeckler. You name the guy Shemi Shembeckler. Are you fucking nuts? Of all the things Bo did, that might be the most disgusting. You named your kid Shemi Shembeckler, dude. What the fuck is wrong with you? But apparently he gets hired. The guy's got racist tweets. MSU Twitter, other people on Twitter cause a stink about it. Four days later, he gets fired. And now Michigan people are backtracking like, oh, they did the right thing, whatever, dude. I don't want to get super like, oh, how dare Michigan? Oh, I'm on the high horse. Oh, moral high ground. Oh, my God. Only at Michigan. Look, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, every fucking program in America that cares halfway about winning football games have all done some messed up shit, dude. They've all done some things that are a little bit questionable. They've all kept a couple facts to themselves that probably should have been shared with authorities. They've all helped out a couple running backs or defensive ends or whoever that they needed to get to the QB that Saturday when they were doing some things that may or may not have fallen under the category of illegal. They've all done it. They will all continue to do it. It is what it is. Now, I'm not saying, hey, Michigan, it's all right. That guy's clearly a scumbag. Fucking good job hiring him. Obviously not. Um, I mean, it's embarrassing for Michigan. How the fuck? Dude, I feel like if I got a job at, I don't know. I, I, I feel like if I got a job at some random engineering company tomorrow, somebody would like look through my Twitter. You're the University of Michigan football program. And you're hiring a dude with the last name Shembeckler after all of the shit that went down in the last couple of years involving the name Shembeckler, and you don't even bother to look at the guy's Twitter account? That's embarrassing. What the fuck are you doing? How lazy are you? Like, how stupid are you? Um, and they should be ridiculed for that because, like, it's one thing if this guy was using an alias or a burner account or if he's a, it's one thing if there's some digging to be done. It's another thing if you just go, all right, let's see what he puts on Twitter. Oh, you know what? Let's not hire this guy. Like, come on. Come on, guys. It takes two fucking seconds. So that's pretty embarrassing. Even more so, somebody, whether it's Jim Harbaugh, whether it's Ward Manuel, somebody in a position of power was like, let's go hire this guy. Let's go out of our way to bring this guy in and associate him with our name and our football program, that's bad. It's a good, you know, they got rid of them. They acted swiftly. Good for them. It still doesn't excuse the hiring in the first place. Like have an ounce of self-awareness. That shit's like, that's PR 101, bro. McDonald's doesn't hire guys to make their fucking McDoubles without giving their social media a quick scan. You're the University of Michigan football program, and the guy's name is Shemi Shembeckler. You didn't even scan the Twitter feed. <laughs> Come on. That's tough to defend. You could be Mr. Michigan. That's tough to defend. But that said, I don't want to sit here and be like, ha, ha, 
<laughs> Look at them. Michigan State, we've done stupid shit. Everybody has. Every program in America has players, coaches, fucking faculty, you name it, who are morons, who are scumbags, who behave in ways that they shouldn't. It sucks, dude. It sucks. At least Michigan got rid of them quickly. Like, that's all you can ask for. It sucks. I don't understand how these people slip through the cracks at all these different places so frequently. I don't really get that, how so many people are willing to turn the blind eye when you know it's inevitably going to come to a light and inevitably make you look fucking way worse than going 0-12 ever could. But it is what it is, dude. That's sports. That's sports where there's money to be made. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just, I hate how it's like that guy gets hired and then fired. And obviously MSU fans, Ohio State fans, Notre Dame fans, all the rivals, anybody is going to make fun of U of M, make fun of Harbaugh, make fun of the university, make fun of their fans for it. And then it just turns into rivalry fodder where some MSU fan who I guess has nothing better to do goes, oh my God, you guys hired a racist Schembechler. How could you do that? What a low life program. And then naturally the U of M fan responds and goes, look at this article. Remember when D'Antonio didn't report this and it's two guys arguing over the scumbags their universities employed, like one of their programs has never done something similar and the other program will never do something similar again when they both fucking know they both have and will do it again because it's division one football and they're playing for tens of millions of dollars and it's just the way the fucking world works. I don't like seeing that. Like, shut up. You shut up. You shut up. You're both wrong. Both your programs are scum. Everybody's program who tries to win is scum. It is what it is, dude. Kirby Smart, two guys got killed. Or the trainer and the player got killed. And it was like, well, that's too bad. Moved on. Good job winning the second natty. Like, shit happens everywhere, dude. Everywhere. So, I don't know. I just hate the, like... I don't know, dude. The rivalry chatter is annoying all the time anyways. Like, how I don't give a fuck about what Michigan fo- – it's May 23rd. I don't give a fuck about what Michigan football is doing today. But I get it. It's going to happen. It's part of it. But the rivalry chatter where it's like Nasser versus Schembechler versus D'Antonio covered this up versus you still have the statue. It's like you guys are spending your Wednesday over arguing over whose school is more scumbag. Look, we both have had scumbag people and moments. Shut the fuck up is what it is. All right. Anyways, um, that's all I got. Uh, This probably, this is going to be the last episode I do until I get back. Next week, I'm going to be in Europe. I'm not going to record while I'm in Europe because nothing, I don't anticipate. Well, even if shit did happen. I wouldn't record while I'm there, but nothing's going to happen before I leave, which is Friday. So this will be the episode. This will come out Wednesday, May 24th. The following week, I probably won't put anything out. I mean, there's nothing nothing going on, dude. It's the fucking Tigers. There's nothing going on. And then once I get back, I'll I'll come back on this feed and yada, yada, yada. That said, I am going to put out some stuff on the Have Fun Club feed on the YouTube channel. Follow along there. Everything goes there, whether it's just the jokes, the Detroiter podcasts, um, everything I ever make or do will be on the YouTube. So check that out. Follow along there. And then the have fun clubs, the more generic I'm going to talk about. Why don't we ever, why do we have road rage, but not road happiness? Why don't we ever see someone make a good play on a road and go, Hey man, 
he might have just saved this biker from getting smushed in between the, the fucking chains of a 16-wheeler. Good job. Why don't we ever give out road compliments? A little food for thought. That's what the Have Fun Club feed's going to be more of. Just random stuff. So make sure you follow that along. I think I am going to try and record at least one of those, maybe two, for next week while I'm gone and upload those. All right. Anyways, that's all I got. Um, appreciate everybody who follows along, listens, supports, all that good stuff. Hope you have a great week, great weekend. Catch you guys next time.